Welcome to People from the Program, a podcast highlighting alumni from the NYU Music Business Program. Welcome everyone to People from the Program, the podcast that highlights the career journeys of alumni from the NYU Music Business Program. I'm your host, Bryce Butler, founder and chairman of the NYU Music Business Alumni Network and a proud alum myself of the NYU Music Business Program. On today's show, our guest is Stephanie Goldberg, Associate Director with Sony Music's Global Digital Business Partner Development Team, where she is working on strategic initiatives across DSP and social partner accounts. Prior, Stephanie led e-commerce and marketing with Sony Music's merchandising division. At Sony Music, Stephanie leads the Emerging Professionals Employee Resource Group and sits, and sits on the Sustainability Task Force. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Bryce. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you, Stephanie. You've got a great background, and I'm excited to to just dive on in. So let's go ahead and do it, okay? Sounds great. All right, so first question I like to ask all my guests, tell me about your journey to the NYU Music Business Program. How did you find it and what led you there? For sure. So I always knew I wanted to be in music. And what felt like a lifetime ago, I had an amazing career with some renowned performing arts organizations that I learned so much from, but I knew I wanted to move closer to what is, I guess, the true music business. And I didn't necessarily have the network at the time to help me facilitate this. Um, So I, and I knew I wanted my master's and I knew I had a lot more to learn. So I actually decided to apply for the NYU music business graduate program and thankfully worked out that I got in. Um, And during my first year of the program, I was working full time at my last organization. But by the end of the first year, I had decided that I actually wanted to step away from the organization so I could really take advantage of the graduate program and more specifically the internships and the network that, you know, as we both know, the um, network that the program had provided. Um, And that summer, I wound up doing a couple of internships and you know, one of those internships was at Sony, and thankfully I was able to stick around the company, and I've now been there for nearly four and a half years. Wow, that's great. So let's back up a little bit. Talk a little bit about your undergrad um, degree and where you went, because I always find this interesting, people being connected to the program that come from your type of background from a degree standpoint, and I think it's really fascinating. So can you get into that a little bit and what you studied? Absolutely. So I did my undergrad experience at Vassar College, a small liberal arts school upstate, um, fantastic school, great education. Um, I studied music and psychology. So I actually started the my undergrad experience with um, a pre-med program only taking a few music classes. I knew that I wanted to do music, but I was sort of you know, intimidated by the idea of, can I make a career in music? You know, I didn't really know beyond performing what careers existed in the music space more broadly. And so halfway through Mm. my undergrad experience, I, I changed my major a couple of times. Um, Mm. I was bio major, the neuroscience major. And then midway through, I had some really great, um, support from my professors and I decided I'm going to go for it. I'm going to be a music major. And I was really interested in the psychology component of neuroscience. So I kept the psych piece and continued um, with that and did a double major in music and psych and did a 
ton of music performance at school, uh, focused mm. very heavily on jazz and musical theater, but was very interested in, you know, more contemporary music, uh, I guess to say. Um, and, you know, by the end of my undergrad experience, I had done a couple of internships in the music space and mm -hmm. realized that that was the path that I wanted to take. And upon graduation, you know, at that point in undergrad, you're looking for any and every experience that you can get, you know, right. first job out of school. And I, you know, I hustled, I networked, and I was able to get a part-time, well, I guess it wasn't so much part-time, but it was a temp job with the Boston Symphony, um, their oh, Tanglewood wow. Music Center in Lenox, more specifically, uh, for the summer right after um, undergrad. And I took the experience, had a great time. I worked in their fundraising department. I, you know, I realized that I wanted to pursue other areas or learn more about other areas. Um, and so while I was there, I had applied to the Kennedy Center for their internship program and worked out, got in uh, into their jazz programming department as an mm -hmm. intern for the following fall. So I was living in Massachusetts area. Um, then I wound up going to DC and, you know, did that internship. It was amazing. Learned so much about artist relations, learned so much about, you know, just general programming, concert production, realized, okay, I'm getting closer to what I want to do. And unfortunately at that point, there were no full-time jobs open in that department or in other areas that right. I was, you know, looking to be in. So I came back to New York, which is where I'm from and wound up, you know, applying to Lincoln Center. And I got a part-time temp job there and I took it because as a, you know, a young adult, again, really just trying to get their foot in the door, I took that right. opportunity and I got uh, the opportunity with their education department sort of, you know, they appreciated my experience in music and psychology, sort of that hybrid experience of having information, knowledge, uh, in you know, both those realms. And right. within, I think it was like two, three months of me being in that part-time temp job, HR called me and said, we've got a full-time position opening up as an admin assistant in their, uh, I guess, new ventures department mm. and asked if I'd be interested in it. And I said, absolutely. And did a couple of interviews and thankfully it all worked out and, uh, you know, stayed in the same building, went to a different floor. Um, and within a few months of me joining that team, I started learning so much, um, more than, you know, I ever really experienced. I had an amazing leader. Um, she, you know, she didn't just see me as an admin assistant. She really took me under her wing and, you know, embraced me and, you know, encouraged me to learn, encouraged me to, you know, have difficult conversations, you know, from a business standpoint, you know, do research, you know, talk to, um, you know, learn how to talk to executives, learn how to, you know, just generally network, reach out and things like that. Um, you know, things that can take time to learn. And very mm -hmm. quickly in that department, um, you know, 
I would say thankfully um, and fortunately, uh, I became a project manager and then moved into special projects, uh, leading a few different things, including um, their visual art program and their Hall of Fame program, among other things. But while I was there, I had this moment of, you know, I love what I'm doing, but, you know, I'm thinking back to, I want to be, you know, why did I even do music? I really, really wanted to work more closely with, again, I guess that idea of the true music business, thinking about the big labels, thinking Mm -hmm. about more contemporary artists, things like that. So I was working on one, you know, particular arm of the music business umbrella, but I wanted to get to the more broad music industry, so to speak. And in the last like year and a half of my time at Lincoln Center was when I applied for the program. And that was when sort of starting from the beginning of what I had mentioned, you know, I applied, got into the program, and then that sort of kicked off my journey in my last year at Lincoln Center or my first year of the program. Um, I did full time, full time, and I had really great, you know, support and that I was able to do that. But I knew that I wanted to take advantage of the program and all that it had to offer. Again, those internship possibilities and um, the network opportunity that we have as you know, the music business program is amazing. Right. And I decided to step away from my job and, you know, big, you know, big hit, you know, you're, you have to adjust mm-hmm. your life when you leave a full-time job, but, um, I'm glad I took the risk because I wouldn't be where I am now without having done that. And I feel really fortunate that I, again, have such a great support system who I guess embraced my, you know, ideas around doing that and, you know, encouraged me even when I was like, should I do this? Should I not? Yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's so many interesting little nuggets. I was even curious to, you know, you're doing psychology and music, you know, similar to my story, I was a finance major before I transferred schools and decided I wanted to pursue sport management and Mm. this entertainment thing. Totally. My mentor and professor, very friend of mine, very dynamic, had to convince my father (laughs) that this was a viable industry to to pursue. I was curious, did you have to have similar conversation with anyone in your family? Maybe you didn't, but I Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm the oldest sibling of the bunch. So, you know, first one out the door that, I mean, you know, that's partly why I actually went to school uh, with like pre-med in mind. I was like, this is something that's steady, something that's secure. I enjoy Mm -hmm. it. Um, And music might be on the back burner. It's something I really like, but it'll be on the back burner. And my parents, you know, I'm very fortunate to say that they embrace the arts. My grandparents, um, they, I had to have the conversation with of these are the opportunities around, you know, music that exists. But at the same time, when I started school, I did not know that all of these, you know, other jobs that myself and my peers have now existed. So when I first got in, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do something steady. But, you know, a few months in, I'm digging and digging out of, you know, I'm basically sending myself down a rabbit hole of like, could I be doing something that's a little bit more in line with what my true passions are? And literally started looking at, you know, at that point, Spotify was still in its seemingly early stages, like looking at their website, what kinds of jobs exist in, you know, a DSP, 
looking at the labels, what kind of jobs exist? Because I knew about A&R, but I didn't really know about, you know, partner development, merchandising, um, sync licensing, all of these other departments that make the industry what it is. I had no idea about all that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I basically had to have a conversation with um, my grandparents when they were like, are you sure this is what you want to do? Like <laughs> you will be, you know, you know, how are you going to survive, especially if you want to be in New York? And again, you know, I had to have the same conversation with my parents and they, again, though, I feel really fortunate to say, really encourage the arts and embrace it. Um, and they ultimately, they, you know, wanted us to be happy, but when they learned that you can, you know, have a, a good career, that's, I guess, steady, you know, uh, generally for lack of a better phrase, um, you know, they were like all for it, go ahead. Um, but I also had to, you know, convince myself, like, is this what I want to do? Like, I would say more importantly, because it's, you know, it's a scary industry to, or it's daunting to think about, to get into. And it's exciting once you're in it. It's exciting once, you know, the journey itself is exciting. It's even more exciting when you feel like you have your feet on the ground, but it's daunting. Like the idea of how do I get my foot in the door? And I had to hustle so much. I knew no one in this industry Mm. and, you know, really from undergrad to even now, you know, it's constantly, and it was constantly, you know, sending out notes. This was in the very early days also of LinkedIn. You know, I remember Mm -hmm. using LinkedIn before anyone else really knew what it, like before we know what it is now. Mm -hmm. And I remember those days. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, sending blind emails, LinkedIn messages. I didn't necessarily call people, but I would send emails all the time of, you know, I'm a sophomore, I'm a junior, I'm a senior at Vassar. I'm really interested in learning more about what you're doing. I'd love to have a conversation. And one time I actually had a really good experience. Like I'm someone who really, I really appreciate what you're doing because, you know, I've said this before, our, Mm. our, you know, school networks are best resources. And, you know, I feel really lucky that I have a network from undergrad and from grad. And when I was at the Kennedy Center, I remember going to see a show. They'd given interns like a ticket to go see a musical and I was going to see Evita. Great production. Mm -hmm. And I was flipping through the playbill and I always read the playbills. And I remember the last line of the executive producer um, bio said went to Vassar. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to blindly reach out and, you know, see if I get any response back because I was interested. Like, I was like, okay, this is someone who is not necessarily on the stage, mm-hmm. made a career for themselves in music or more broadly, like, you know, more broadly music business, but performing arts branch of it. Mm-hmm. And he responded back the next day saying, like, oh, nice. hey, you know, I, you know, I'm here for another day. Let's grab coffee. I would love to talk to you. You know, let's, you know, let's chat. And, you know, I was saying that like at that point, social media was not what it is now. It existed, of course, but it wasn't what it is now. It was not so easy to 
just like send a DM to someone. Like I basically sent the message on my college's alumni website, <laughs> um, like looked up their email and everything because again, social media is not what it is today where you can just like, you know, tag someone in a tweet, send someone a DM mm -hmm. um, or easily find someone on LinkedIn. And we had a great conversation and I learned, okay, this is how I start to network. And I, you know, just really started to embrace that, started to do that. And I mean, I still do it to this day. I think it's so important. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And even, even in your work experience, I don't know, the, the, the word that keeps coming to mind is structure, even before you got to the program, like there is this clear line of you creating these opportunities and mm -hmm. having these, having these jobs and these internships that are really like you cutting your teeth and, yeah. and really diving in even before you got to the program. So, so you get to the program, you've enrolled in it, and now you're going through the program. When you look back, what was your kind of favorite class that you, that you really liked and, and why was it your favorite class? Great question. I loved um, the class taught by Professor Carlos Gerinos, uh, the music innovation and social change class. Oh, so um, you didn't have that course when I was there. Nice. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's a great class. I actually worked with uh, Carlos on the music and social change lab after I completed the course, just because I think the mission of um, music and social change and the intersection between the two is so important. And mm. there's so much space there that, you know, we all can contribute to. But I loved it because, you know, specifically in our industry where we are you know, broadly so connected to so many people because of the product, the music that we share, you know, I think it's important to understand again, how impactful what we're all doing in music can be and leverage that for innovation and social change. And we learned about, you know, case studies on how that worked and how we can do it. And it was just fascinating. And, you know, actively now there are teams that um, are dedicated to social impact and social change mm -hmm. at big companies, you know, Sony has one. And, um, and I think that, you know, that again, the larger mission around social change and the intersection with the music is so important. And I, you know, I'm excited to still be part of it. Um, but at that point in time, it was so new to me and I knew what it was like the concept of what it was, but I didn't know like that it had, like that there could be a class around it. And, um, and I just appreciated the way that Professor Chirinos, you know, shared that with the students. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's just so relevant to everything that a lot of the major companies and a lot of companies in general um, are doing in the industry today. So, you know, before we jump, you know, into more detail about your, your work now and kind of what that is and what that entails, sure. you know, Let's ask one more question about the program. If if you had to pick one takeaway you got from the program, what would you say that it that it would be? Can I share two takeaways? I will allow two takeaways just Thank for you, you today. So much. <laughs> so the first takeaway I would say is get to know your peers. Uh, you know, go to happy hour together, go have lunch together. You're coming up together in this industry. You are basically, you know, working with what will be sort of like your level of executives and um, your generation of, you know, future mentors and whatnot. 
you know, you don't know where anyone's going to wind up and not saying force relationships, but really get to know your, your peers, like get to become friends with them. Take the time to get to know them. You might be interning in the same department together. You don't know. And, you know, we're all greater together, especially if you like try and take the time to get to know each other. So definitely, um, you know, that was one takeaway. I mean, there are so many people in my, like even on my floor, currently who I went to the program with and thankfully we all got along and we still hang out and you know sometimes I need things from them and vice versa at work and and it's great um the second takeaway would be more having to do with the internships but take the time to get to know the people on your team and your department you know the front-facing staff you know executive assistants and secretaries you know even if you're an intern HR too, you know, it's a huge industry, but a small world. And you don't know like who they know, what roles they may be aware of when the time comes to apply for an opportunity. So just be a good person, be kind and, um, and just take the night again, take the time to get to know people. Um, I guess that would be the takeaway generally speaking, but when it comes, it applies to two different groups. Yeah. I mean, that's so valuable and it makes so much sense. You know, a lot of people, they, you know, we're all hustling, we're all trying to move forward, but that piece of getting to know the people right next to you mm-hmm. and trying to build those organic relationships makes so much more of a difference uh, because Absolutely. now you're you're coming alongside people while they're walking their journey and that's so important. Um, no, that's no, that's great. I mean, I guess segueing from that, you know, moving into more of your specific experience, it just, it seems even you know, before the program, a lot of your experience that you got is program related and mm-hmm. and, and project related. And yeah. I know there's a journey leading up to, to what you're doing now. So can you talk a little bit about how that past experience of working in programs and projects in this business has transitioned and led you to Sony and what that entails? Absolutely. So, you know, I've not necessarily had a straight path, as you've said, it's been, Mm -hmm. you know, a winding road. What I've learned is that I can take applicable transferable skills and apply them to these different opportunities, these different departments within the larger, broader music business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that was important for me to understand as I was applying to opportunities. You know, when I was at Lincoln Center, I, you know, at that point, I only thought of myself as knowing like more classical music, musical theater and psychology. And as I was doing work, I realized, okay, I'm building these skills as I'm moving to the next phase of my career. Okay, I've got these skills that I learned before. This applies to this opportunity now that I'm doing in project management, move into special projects. Okay, you know, I have other skills that are applicable to this. When I'm applying to jobs at Sony, even for the internships, my first internship at Sony was in the executive department, I had been an admin assistant before, very applicable skills there, you know, it's super transferable there. And Stephanie, then, real, Stephanie yeah. real quick, can you tell a little bit, just dumb it down for folks like me, when you say special projects, you worked at Lincoln Center, what did that entail for you? I would say that special projects is a little bit of a catch-all, um, but basically it's, uh, has to do with project management, but or of these more um, of these sort of larger scale projects and programs like the Hall of Fame or the visual art program that I had mentioned, 
um, that might be more um, business development oriented, I guess you could say. Uh, mm. But they tend to be sort of larger scale programs that aren't necessarily like special events like a gala, but other projects that need to that they don't really like fall into one of these other departments. So that's where special projects kind of becomes like this catch all of, you know, special projects, I guess. Does right. that make sense? <laughs> no, that, that definitely makes sense. Some of the listeners, special projects, I guess, could mean various things depending on your background and where you're coming from. Absolutely. So just people understanding that, yes, in the music industry and in entertainment, you can have a job working in special projects if you didn't. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, and anyone absolutely. can probably hand, sort of work in special projects because, again, like you said, um, you know, it is so varied what you could be working on. And I think one of the important things in that kind of role um, and what I had to learn was you have to be flexible and adaptable because you don't necessarily know what you're going to be working on. Mm -hmm. And that became one of my strengths, being able to wear different hats every day, um, any minute of the day. Um, and, you know, even in my current role now, and I know we'll get to that, but, you know, I'm not necessarily working on one sort of account I'm wearing different hats for different accounts. And that's kind of been my journey. And thankfully I've, lo I've loved it. No, the, I mean, and that really, <clears throat> excuse me, it seems that has prepared you, you know, to enter into working at Sony. So I want to, totally. so for the listener, let's understand. So it seems your first role was, executive intern to Rob Stringer, who was the CEO of Sony Music. Now, I read that, Stephanie, because a lot of people listening, you know what they're thinking. And I know this is minutia, but I like to get into this. They're like, how in the world do I work at Sony Music? And how did she get in and get that role? So can you please give us your story of how this came about? Sure. Started. So when I got to the program, you know, I in that last year of my time at Lincoln Center and also in my first year of the program, um, I knew that I wanted to take advantage of these internships. So I, I mean, I blindly applied to an internship at Sony Music, but I had had on my resume, you know, admin assistant experience. And I'd had experience working very closely with other executives just in, again, my prior life working at performing arts organizations. And that was something that was appealing to the recruiter for the interns. And I was presented with the opportunity to intern in his office, which was great. Um, had a really fantastic and interesting time, you know, being able to see, you know, a company as great, as big as Sony Music sort of run and operated from the top down, um, learned a lot. And his team was wonderful and mm. also allowed me to really take advantage of what I think is a great internship program. Sony does a wonderful job. And while I was in the internship program, um, working in his office, like I mentioned, took advantage of the opportunities, attended panels. And, um, you know, there was no sort of hybrid, no Zoom at that point. So everything was in person. Um, so I went to a panel that had, you know, uh, executives from sync licensing marketing and got to know a bunch of different people again networking like we were talking about before mm -hmm. but i was able to um, take the time to get to know some folks from sync licensing and that's how i actually was able to get my next internship at sony oh excellent i i, I just love how you know those things 
came together and you were you were able to take advantage of your pre of your previous experience to parlay into this opportunity. So you're finally in at Sony. Um, you've interned with Rob Stringer. Let's talk about the rest of that journey um, and and how that got you to where you're at today. Yeah. So I think the intern was next, which yep. seems to also still be in that same vein of. I put this in quotes for the music industry, like special projects, because sync can kind of, not every label provides sync in the way that Sony does. So yeah, but just love to hear more about that. Yeah, so the team that I was working with, another amazing team, shout out to the sync shop, they're wonderful. Um, they focused, the team that I was working with focused on um, sync for ads. So music licensing for advertisement, um, they were based out of New York. So I was in the New York office, um, for both internships at Sony. And I had the opportunity to, you know, generally learn more about music licensing. They were prepping for Super Bowl at that point. So got to see what that process would be like, you know, you know, doing sync for ads for the Super Bowl. Like how cool yes. is that? And very cool. <laughs> just the folks who were leading the internship program for that team. Uh, you know, really like took me under their wing and, you know, they knew as a grad student, I was really there to learn and really embrace that, you know, gave me great projects to work on. Um, and so then I wrapped up the internship and then I had like one more semester left, I think. And I really, you know, like I was mentioning earlier, I took the time to get to know everyone and anyone that I could. I got to know the folks in HR, again, you know, the front facing people who were there. I walked around the office and, you know, introduced myself. If I met someone in a meeting or if I, even if I didn't talk to them, I would introduce myself and say, you know, I'd love to, you know, get to know you, get to know more about what you do. You know, I looked for the folks who went to the grad program as well and tried to find them and introduce myself, you know, because there's already a commonality there of, you know, you did this program, you're here, I'm doing this program, I'd love to be here. And thankfully, by the time, you know, end of that last semester rolled around, I had gotten a call from someone at Sony in the talent acquisition office saying, you know, there are a couple of roles open that we, you know, we want to know if you're interested in applying for or being considered for. And one role was um, in a department that I really wanted to be in, but it was an assistant level role. And then there was another role in a department that I'd never worked in, but managerial, more project manager like. So I never worked in this department before, but I had transferable skills. I said, you know what? I'd love to be considered for both if it's possible. They said mm -hmm. yes, did the interviews. And then I realized that while, you know, I would love to do the department that I really liked, I, like the, I love the idea of a challenge. And I um, wound up going down the route of that department that I'd never worked in, which is merchandising. Mm. And I, and that was sort of my first job at Sony, um, working with them and wound up loving it. Um, you know, I, I realized like, don't, one of the things that I've also learned, and I guess another takeaway more from just my general career experience don't necessarily shy away from an opportunity just because you think you may not be able to do it um, or you don't mm -hmm. have the right skills for it or experience for it. Again, transferable skills are so important and just opening your mind to how you can, I guess, shape your story and how you're telling it to a recruiter and just how you're telling it to yourself as you're doing the job is so important. 
Yeah, that ability to pivot, I've had to do that myself and be able just to tell your story and, and just to be able to convey value in, yeah. these, in these different ways and these different roles is super important. So, okay, so as a brand manager, project manager in merchandising, what were the things that you had to do there? What were your responsibilities? Yeah, absolutely. So I joined the team as a brand manager. However, very quickly um, in speaking with my supervisor, you know, realized that there was more of a need for a project manager. And that meant sort of working across there, you know, some of the different departments that exist uh, within this space, um, you know, general e-commerce, general marketing, um, the design team, um, licensing, there was a need for someone to sort of step in and support facilitating communication between the clients and the clients being artist management or the label and the merch team. Um, and so I started helping with that, doing like various different things. However, the pandemic started a few months after I started at the team. Mm. And the, as we all saw, e-commerce became huge. Right. And so there was a huge need for support with e-commerce. And I started supporting the person who was um, leading e-commerce at the time. Um, they wound up leaving for another opportunity outside of Sony. And I had been the only other person working on e-commerce at that point, um, besides, you know, a senior level executive. And so, you know, they saw that I was up for the challenge. They saw that I had already spent so much time, you know, throwing myself into e-commerce to support the general need for that support, given the pandemic, given, you know, everything was moving online, there were no tours happening. So any tour product went online, retail, no one was going to stores, everything moved online, um, licensing, they could only sell online at that point. So I stepped in and really, really proud to say took the reins and, um, again, learn to love it. This was a world that I knew nothing about. I give so much credit to the merchandising team, um, you know, at Sony Music. Uh, there are so many folks there within design, within production, within tour, within, again, licensing, retail that I learned from. This was a world that I, you know, aside from being a consumer and having done some e-commerce when I was at Lincoln Center doing mm -hmm. the visual art program, you know, it's a totally different ball game. It's such a, you know, a specific area of the music business. Only mm -hmm. a handful of people know about it. And I learned from the best of the best. Um, you know, uh, Francis Wong, Steve Cooper, those are two of my sort of mentors in that space, two of the leaders who, again, phenomenal people um, who I learned from while I was there. And, you know, they showed me like, this is, you know, what you need to know. This is how everything happens. And because of that, I was able to run, um, you know, e-commerce business, including D2C globally, um, you know, uh, Amazon artist stores when that all started, and then also social commerce, like selling on Instagram, TikTok, all of that, because that all started too, while I was in that position. Um, and it was great. It was amazing. And, um, you know, had a, again, had a great team working with me who taught me so much. Wow. I mean, just to be able to have the opportunity to dive in and be here at a, at a brand and a company so big as Sony, that's, that's just such an amazing experience. So I guess let's, 
let's dig kind of more into as this role goes along. Now, sure. Now, when we talk about partner development in e-commerce, um, are there are these just kind of two sides of the same coin, or does this mean that as your roles and responsibilities um, grow, that partner development is focused on one thing, while if you're just focusing on e-commerce, that's another thing? Can you help us understand that a little bit? Yeah. So they are for the. Um... I guess for context at Sony Music, they are very different. When mm. I'm when I was at the merchandising department, I was focused on a tangible product. You know, I was focused on the, either physical music. I mean, I also sold digital music on the stores, but um, mm. the merchandising, you know, the apparel, the the hoodies, the sweatshirts, things like that. That was what our team was doing. Um, I be, I had thankfully gotten another opportunity um, within Sony Music. Uh, within the global digital business uh, partner dev team. So I switched um, teams a couple of months ago and that team is focused on digital music. So right. intangible product, um, but a very important product to, you know, Sony's overall mission and as well, you know, merchandising at a music label, the music is driving the story. The merchandise right. is just part of that story. Part of it, yes. um, but two very different experiences. Um, I feel very fortunate that I was able, that I have been able to, um, you know, again, we were talking about pivoting your experiences, you know, shaping your story. I've been able to, you know, pivot my experiences to shape the stories that are coming out of these two worlds. Um, I, I'm using similar skills to tell different stories. And I mean, ultimately the greater story is the same, but the way that the stories are being told are a little different and you know i i've again learned so much and um now what i'm doing is working across the um like dsp so the you know digital streaming providers digital um streaming services mm -hmm. um like spotify amazon music apple music um working on more broader initiatives that are applicable to maybe, you know, all of them. Sometimes I'm more focused on one over the other. Um, and there, you know, there are people who are dedicated to each of these accounts, but I am sort of this first role that comes in that works, um, you know, in tandem with those specifically, it's kind of across all of them too. Um, more largely think, how can we um, leverage, you know, uh, again, these common strategies that might be, we might be working on for one account, but another account needs it. So that's kind of where I come in. Um, and it's been great. It's only been a few months, but I've, I've really loved it and have some really incredible colleagues and a great leader who's just teaching me so much. Right. Excellent. So, you know, digging a little more into that. So across the role that you're doing now, mm -hmm. are you basically, you know, anything that is sales channel related to any project or artist or label that's coming into, into your department and you are basically maximizing those channels to make sure that revenue goals are hit um, and the, and the sales process is moving the way it's supposed to be. Is that the way to understand kind of the partner development piece that you're doing? I would say generally, yes, that is, you know, sort of what our team does. So there are, 
like I said, folks on the uh, account side on our end who mm -hmm. are dedicated to each of these accounts, but they are working with, you know, the label operations, the um, label marketing teams to, like you're saying, ensure that um, any, you know, like new music that might be uh, or new pro or projects that might be dedicated to a specific account or handled appropriately. But if there are um, more broader initiatives, um, like let's think about AI, like how is that impacting all of the partners? Um, you know, that might be something that I might work on. Mm, wow. I mean, it's just, it's so interesting that you're really, you get to see all of these things. You're, you're almost like Batman behind the screen <laughs> and you get to see where all of these different um, artists and, and projects are at a given time and say, okay, how, how is that affecting the sales journey that they're on? And are we making sure that everyone's reaching everywhere that they need to go? Um, it's kind of the way I see it. It's almost like a central hub. Do you consider your, and, and, and this might be um, a, a simple question, but just for clarity, do you consider yourself basically the sales team? No. So we, um, we I guess, would fall more under like business development mm -hmm. um, or, you know, um, strategy. There is a debt. We work very closely, though, with sales. Um, you know, we, you know, sales is the team that is ensuring that the product is out there and that the money is coming in. We are there to support them to sort of facilitate new opportunities or ensure that existing opportunities aren't impacted by, you know, maybe something operationally or whatnot. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So, and I've worked, you know, just even in my own background, working at SaaS companies is very interesting where mm -hmm. you have business development, basically opening up the territory and making sure that the territory is has a flow and and opening up basically the door for sales to be able to come in and and, and execute on that and build that territory. Totally. Uh, yeah, totally. It's, it's, a lot of times in our industry, these things are called different things, but kind of to what we're talking about, we'll bring it full circle. A lot of these things are applicable in, in every industry. They may just be called something different. Yeah, absolutely. You know, at the end of the day, you know, what we're focused on is ensuring that we're finding opportunities or, um, you know, uh, maintaining opportunities that exist um, to best position our artists and the music within these partners. And I'm just, again, looking at it more broadly in my particular role, but I would say generally that's what we're all focused on, but mm -hmm. especially our team. You know, Stephanie, let me ask you this to your role. Are you are you also responsible? You talked about AI. Are you also responsible for forecasting and kind of doing some of that? We'll, we'll use the term future development of, okay, these platforms or these tools might be coming down the pipe two or three years from now. What would be our strategy um, to open up those channels so we can be present there and take advantage of the market? Are you, are you doing so some that's of that? Not, yeah, that's a great question. That's not my particular role at this time. Um, okay. You know, there. I handled forecasting in my last position, um, but for merchandising in this role, um, there are dedicated um, individuals for that great team um, dedicated to that sort of research and growth. And, you know, it's, it's important that everyone works together, um, but there is a team dedicated to that. 
Right. Absolutely. Okay. And then just in terms of, in terms of merchandising in general, you know, you've, you've been in this field for a few years now, how rapidly has it changed for you? You know, obviously physical fulfillment still here, but now that you have Amazon and all of these services that are just growing and getting bigger and bigger, what is that like? And how has that impacted orders you can fulfill and how customers kind of expect you to get, um, to get the stuff that they want to them in a, in a manner that's timely or um, in a way that just makes sure that you're always satisfying the customer and they're always getting what they need? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, you know, I mean, I'm no longer with the merchandising team, but when I was, you know, in the last year, there was a lot of change. There was, right. of course, a huge demand for product and there was a shortage of some supply at the very early part of the pandemic as we all saw but we were able to you know adjust ourselves based on what was you know what supply we had we worked with artists to ensure that we were fulfilling based off of what was available in terms of you know like what kinds of blanks existed and things like that um and again great team all together who we were able to you know keep the wheels turning so that way artists wouldn't you know, artists were happy and fans were happy um, because ultimately that was what was most important. Um, within the last year with, there was, you know, a huge um, interest with Amazon artist stores, you know, being able to sell product within Amazon um, music app, you know, of course, Amazon Prime, but, you know, being able to buy artist product within not just Amazon Prime, but Amazon Music, and then also seeing social commerce with um, with Spotify, but also the other social platforms that, you know, had to, we had to quickly respond to that and figure out how we could sell product um, for, you know, fans, you know, ensure that artists had product visible in these spaces because it is, you know, another source of revenue, but, right. you know, a great marketing space too. So we were able to quickly respond, but, you know, that's again, where you have to be flexible, adaptable, understand, you know, what's going on in your environment. Um, try to be proactive rather than reactive. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, happy to say that we were able to do it. Um, but yeah, we were, you know, you have to respond, but, you know, the quicker you do it, the better, but, you know, sometimes there were challenges. Yeah, you know, Stephanie, I, as an expert in the field, I'll ask you this for independent companies or companies that are smaller, many people may not consider bringing on someone to focus on the business development side, kind of like you are opening up these territories, making sure that the strategy and the way people are thinking about how they're selling their products um, is moving forward. What would you say to some of those smaller independent folks that are listening that have never thought, hey, maybe I need to focus on bringing on someone that can do business development for me? Like, do you see that as being something that more indies need to do? Or is that something that they shouldn't focus on until they get to a certain level? Well, firstly, I am honored that you said that you consider me an expert um, in this area. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't That's think I'm no quite there. <laughs> um, but I appreciate it. You know, again, there's so many people who are like so much more well-versed in this space. Um, and I'm lucky that I've learned from them, but you know, 
I think that it depends. It's totally dependent on kind of what's going on, you know, in the greater industry, what's going on with a respective company. There are ways that people can sell product without like any inventory risk if they are interested in creating mm. merchandising um, or having merchandising be, you know, like a new source of revenue for themselves. You can sell product via print on demand. Um, of course, there is some additional cost with that because if you're not holding inventory, you're printing one off. Um, which is, you know, something else to think about, but there are other ways to go about it. And it just depends on sort of, you know, what's, um, what's going to be best suited to a group just based off of, you know, what their finances are, what their business plan is for the year, you know, who's on their roster, um, things like that. Mm, I love it. Stephanie, let me ask you, what are you curious about right now? Great question. So, I mean, like I mentioned before, I'm only a few months into my current role within partner development. So I'm just continuously interested in learning more and more about what my team is working on, you know, generally about what's going on with each of the DSPs um, and just taking more on in that space. Because, you know, I always, like I said before, I love a challenge. I really want to continue to learn more. Um, I think it's so important to, you know, stay up to date with what's going on in this industry. There are so many great resources to, you know, learn about what's happening, learn about our peers. This podcast is one of them. Um, yeah. So, you know, I would say that generally. Okay. I love it. Um, I really love how we have, <clears throat> excuse me, jumped in, <clears throat> excuse me, jumped in and dove in and just really gotten into this experience, some of the minutia of it. Um, I like to ask all of my guests this final question. If you could go back and talk to yourself on the first day that you started the program, what would you say to yourself? Well, first I would tell myself, you know, it's going to work out. Um, secondly, though, you know, talk to your peers about just generally making music with them. If you have an interest in making music, I am a singer and there are so many incredible musicians amongst my peer group. And I just wish that, I, you know, spent time like jamming with them rather than just the last few weeks of the program, because, you know, at that point in time, I was working full time and then going straight into the internships. But I so wish that I just spent more time. I got to know them, but I wish I spent more time just like sitting there making music with them because they're just amazing musicians. You wish you had spent more time. You were on mission, but you wish you spent more time jamming out. I love yep, it. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Everyone, that is Stephanie Goldberg. Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on, on the podcast. It was great having you. I mean, this is such, you're in such an interesting space that maybe some of our listeners aren't aware of. So I think hopefully we gave them something to think about today. Hopefully. And thank you, Bryce. This is wonderful. And let's, let's uh, chat more soon. Definitely. Everyone, Thank you for, for tuning in to this episode. Stephanie, it was great. I will have more episodes coming soon, but in the meantime, take care and be well. Thanks for listening to this episode of People From The Program. Be sure to check us out anywhere you listen to your podcasts and stay tuned for future episodes of the show.